Hello, and welcome to Tokelore. I'm Sarah. I'm Kiki. Get stoned with us as we discover what folklore is and where to find it. And as we learn about ancient and contemporary cultures. All while imbibing in local cannabis. I have never encountered a religion as interesting and mind-bending as Hinduism. Oh? Anything in particular? A little confused about avatars, amazed by the vast number of gods there are, and excited about today's revenant. Ah, the remover of obstacles. Ganesh. Or Ganesha or Ganapati. Oh, there's so many. Don't lose your head on On Tilklore. Oh, this is exciting, especially because you really have a lovely grasp of how to pronounce the Sarasvati in Indus culture. It just rolls off the tongue. I have to it look is, at it in it order is. to be able to pronounce it. Sarasvati Indus culture? Sarasvati. Sarasvati. I listen to a guy say it over and over again <laughs> on a documentary. <laughs> Why did I take Indus. my headphones off? I don't know. Why did you? Did you not want to listen to me yawning in your eardrums? <laughs> it just sounds like we're in a studio with my headphones on. We are in a studio. We are. We're definitely in a studio. Yeah. We're still making it look nice, but anyway. Getting there, slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Ganesh, but before we get into him, I want to build a little bit of context around Hinduism because I, coming into this was not very familiar. My context was, um, honestly, what comes to mind is Sensate, hmm. to be honest, especially with this one, with Ganesh, because that was her primary deity that she worshipped. Anyway, so I'm going to take us back to ancient Indian culture, also known as the Sarasvati Indus culture. They were more advanced than Egypt, Mesopotamia, and China, which I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that, actually. It's really cool. They had super big metropolitan centers for the time. So we're thinking really big metropolitan centers are like New York City. It's actually humongous for humans. Back then, a really large city would actually be about half the size of Eugene, or maybe about the size of Medford. So their metropolitan centers were about that size. And that's very large and rare and unusual for the time because that's a lot of people to support. That's a lot of resources that you have to have constantly on hand for everybody. And there wasn't just one, there were tons of them. And they were connected essentially by a highway network or trade routes, and they would trade silk. And they would find, they, they found dye, they found jewelry, they found advanced steel metal working. So I'm going to have a couple of things for everybody to Google. And one of them is the Iron Pillar, Iron Pillar of Delhi. Look it up. It is a steel pillar. 
I'm not going to explain what it is. You're going to Google it, and then, then you're going to know. But really, look it up. It's cool. <laughs> so, back to it. They So, they traded in pottery, jewelry, silk, seals, toys, and dye. And I was surprised, but their seals are written in Sanskrit. So, Sanskrit, I always think of it as being kind of the same as cuneiform, but it is not it is not cuneiform. It's just the way that they would mark the characters in the clay. That's my basic understanding. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has a way better understanding that can let us know. Do you want a bowl, Sarah? You want to fill up? Yeah. We're going to take a moment here, guys, and we're going to refill. I'm going to pause. Hi, I'm high. Not hi, I'm back. <laughs> oh, hey, there's a pipe here. I'm recording again. Hi, guys. We had to take a break. We're, we're topping up or topping off. I don't know. Whichever one you like. But we were talking about the Sarasvati Intis culture, which I also saw the Hedipin culture. It was also known as the Hedipin culture and Vedic culture. Oh, you didn't list them in here. I did not. I decided this particular context is, Confusing. I think, appropriate for Sarasvati Indus culture. I uh, see. I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> so there was archaeological evidence that shows that many Vedic practices survive to this day in Hinduism and are entangled in modern Indian culture, such as the greeting Namaste, there are symbols that repeat in pictures and in different decorations. And then there's similar symbology in performing arts. There's statues of the mother goddess. There are fire altars that are pretty much exactly the same as ones that are used in modern day India. And there are sac- there were sacred baths and the list continues. So there's a lot about ancient Vedic culture, which is... I. Vedic because it's based off of the Vedic texts. Or, yeah, Vedic texts. And the Sarasvati Indus culture refers to a geographic region. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Fuck, I'm saying so again. Buttons! Buttons. I got that just now. <laughs> <laughs> it clicked. Did you guys get that? Because <laughs> I didn't get it for a minute there. It's not the first time I've used it. <laughs> and I probably never caught it. <laughs> As I said before, they were more advanced than Egypt, Mesopotamia, and China. And they were advanced in mathematics, astronomy, and metalworks, which is why I said check out that pillar of De- Delhi. I almost said deadly. That sounds kind of dangerous. Deadly or Dudley? <laughs> or Dudley. <laughs> also, fun fact, the words Hindu and India both come from the same Sanskrit word, Sindhu. Which I was like, that's really, that's really very interesting. Did you also know that Hindu is the oldest and third largest religion in the world? Third? Mm-hmm. Oldest. The oldest. The oldest and third largest. But the oldest. And there are, according to this documentary, there are two million practicing Hindus, or people who claim they're Hindu, people who are Hindu in the U.S. Yeah. Cool. Which I was like, I don't really know what two million looks like. (laughs) 
That doesn't really mean a lot to me. I'm sure it's a, a city of some report. <laughs> it's a lot of people. It's a lot. <laughs> there are important aspects of Hindu that, so even if you are Hindu and you and you may not practice the same or worship the saint the same deities as everybody else, you'll still have these same aspects in your worship. So there's belief in a supreme god called. Brahman, Bhagavan, Siva, Shakti, Vishnu, and there are a lot of other names, and it really only, it just depends on where you're from, what denomination you're a part of, and honestly, I've also heard that in India, you can have a completely different dialect within like 200 kilometers, just, and then you wouldn't be able to understand each other very well, and I thought that was very interesting. I I heard this from a Indian special ops guy that my dad had to work with. And that was was very interesting. My dad described him as the James Bond of India. And I was like, dad, but that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But stop. (laughs) But that's cool. (laughs) There's also Dharma, which means that which upholds. This relates a lot to Mahatma Gandhi, which inspired civil disobedience in the U.S., which is what MLK practiced and preached. Karma, you know what that is, reincarnation. I bet we know what that is. Divinity of the soul, or Atman, God realization and liberation from rebirth. The last three I am not as familiar with. And I'm not 100% sure I grasp them completely. Mm -hmm. But the divinity of the soul and God realization has something to do with everybody is connected to the Supreme God. So everybody's got a part of them, of him in them. And liberation from rebirth, which is when your soul has completely matured and learned all that it can from all. Enlightenment, basically. Yeah, enlightenment. Do you have questions? You look no, like you questions. it's not so much questions as I'm just sort of wrapping my head around these these different practices around death and and the relationship one has with that. It's not something to be feared in mm-hmm. Hinduism. No, no. It's a new beginning, literally. It it seems like a really interesting like answer to two aspects of the same thing where you have like the extremes as far as um. Damn it! My train jumped the track. Oh no! Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah. Can I hit that bowl? Go for it. I only got about halfway through it. I'm toast. She's toasted, guys. I'm toasted, man. <laughs> totally toasted. Sound like Austin Powers. Okay. Yeah. Reincarnation. Okay. Vedas. What are Vedas? Vedas are religious texts written by the Vedic culture. Nope. It's it's the other way around. It's not sure. (laughs) It just says they were all written in Sanskrit and they form the pillars of Hinduism, but it's not known who wrote them. Okay, I have a story about one of them, Mm -hmm. but that's for later. That's a theory about who wrote one of them. Okay. Yes, yeah, so the four Vedas are essentially their their religious texts that they base all of their practices and traditions out of. And they also revere 
was called piranhas, which it sounds like I'm saying like the fish piranha, but it's spelled differently. P-U-R-A-N-A-S. Piranhas. And works from different sages that have been alive in like the last 200 years, which I think is is very interesting. So these are, are yogis, swamis, and gurus. Are all these and if any texts that they write and it also includes songs that they've composed and written as well mm-hmm. because women and men share equal footing what's the word i'm looking for they're equal in religious practices in hinduism and that's why india has had many female prime ministers in government it just seems so natural though like it just i mean it just seems natural for women to also be prime ministers that I didn't really consider it as being necessarily connected to a cultural and religious practice. <laughs> but that's really cool. Right on. Mm-hmm. And the Maha so the Mahabharata, Mahabharata is the longest epic that was ever written. I mean it's longer than Gilgamesh and trust me Gilgamesh is really long. <laughs> and the overall theme was justice. It was about two, uh, three cousins fighting over the throne of this great empire. That's all I, all I'm gonna dive into it. Hinduism is also known for its tolerance and acceptance in other religions, but I have something else for everybody to Google right now: India and Pakistan together in a sentence, and you'll see that there's a little bit of religious tension. That's so I was I'm basing a lot of this out of a documentary from produced by India Times, I think. And they were I'm kind of seeing that as like, well, I wouldn't want to mention religious tensions with other people in my documentary about my awesome country either. But it is really important that people know that. I don't know. Take all that out. I just kept going. I can't dig myself out. Help me. <laughs> Please help me. Stop. <laughs> uh, Time to anyway. apply the brakes. Yes, please. It was a great tangent, though. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow. That was an example of part of the Mahabharata. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you were on the path, man. <laughs> it's said that, so in Hinduism, it's one of the sayings is that truth is one, paths are many. And that's why they are so tolerant and accepting of other people. And Hinduism is also the only major religion that worships a supreme god who is depicted in both a female and male form. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's a different type of balancing mm-hmm. and there is no one single religious leader in hinduism like there is in the catholic church like there's the pope there's no the mm-hmm. equal to that in hinduism yeah they're just teachers mm-hmm. yogis swamis mm-hmm. and no yeah and there's no single organization of it everybody worships different deities if they want they don't all worship the same deities most commonly they worship ganesha but some people worship shiva or kali and that's the the primary deity that they worship and temples that they go to yeah Mm -hmm. time for a toke break toke break Mm -hmm. 
some callback to previous episodes for you all. There was a tangent, I can't remember how far back, but if you've listened to them all, you'll know the one I'm talking about. Where we were smoking these stubby bats, the, the, the joints that we get from the Sugar Top Buttery and yeah. some other places here in town. And there's one in particular that I was really miffed about because there was resin, <laughs> rosin paper. Well, I have since purchased uh, these these particular joints uh, since that that particular incident, and come to find out, we think that the one we got was defective and rolled inside out. Yeah, because all of the ones that I have had since the rosin, the like, <laughs> it's on the inside of the paper, <laughs> which would make more sense and why it would get like into your weed as it's burning down rather than on the outside of your paper sticking to your fingers <laughs> and the dust mites in the air and whatever <laughs> actually like brushes up against it like your sweater ends up all over your joint because it's Aww. sticky or all yeah. the ash that mm-hmm. you've you dropped it into your ash on accident mm-hmm. yeah I didn't okay. actually smoke any of this bowl. <laughs> you should smoke some of that bowl. Who is Ganesha? Well, I guarantee you, if you saw a picture of him, you'd recognize him. He's the most portrayed and depicted Hindu god out there. And because? I, he's got the head of an elephant. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So cool. Elephants are cool. They're cool. Indian elephants are cool. I read somewhere that all elephants in zoos are Indian elephants, which is not true because I know for a fact that at the DC Zoo they have both. Most zoos can only get Asian elephants. They have the smaller ears. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're very rare. They're much more protected, so they don't keep them in zoos. Mm. I think that it's a much harder to have them, so having them in D.C. would make sense. But the Portland Zoo here in Oregon no. would not have. No. I have never seen. Hmm. I've only ever seen Asian elephant. Back to Ganesha. Ganesha. He's the god of good fortune and prosperity and an obstacle remover, but he'll also place obstacles in your way. And this is to help you. Tough love. Sometimes you need to hit a wall. God of newbie. To learn how to fall. <laughs> God of new beginnings for some and success. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. I don't know why I read that. I was high. Okay. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I'm just going to pretend I know what it I'm saying. It was 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. He's, oh, my goodness. So he... Apparently, he's also recognized outside of Hinduism, and I was not going to go down the rabbit hole of chakras because I, I, I knew I would be there a while. So all I've got is he's associated with the first chakra, representing survival and base for all forms of life and the base for all forms of life. How very dual in its gender identity. It seems almost like they're describing him as being able to give birth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. So sometimes he was also very mischievous and very hard to control and often revealed aspects of pride in others. So he humbled you. 
And he rode either a mouse or a rat. I've read both. Oh, okay. And I think that's really ironic because the you... mouse and the elephant, <laughs> the story. Oh, mm-hmm. the mouse, mouse is afraid of the little tiny elephant. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, the other way around. No, the elephant's afraid of the mouse. The little tiny mouse. Wow. <laughs> the little tiny elephant. It sounded really cool <laughs> in my head. Not even a thing. Oh. <laughs> this him have his mount being a mouse or a rat could represent overcoming obstacles, including fear. So that's adorable. Very apt. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's there's a lot of like Aesop's fables that cover these similar types of stories between different animals. I avoided reading that one. Yeah, hardcore. I took a hard pass on that one. I just like it's boring. It seems really boring to me. Some of them are very interesting. They were like parables. Mm-hmm. But you get kind of tired of just everything being a parable. <laughs> yeah. There's also this really cool story about this inclu- involving the mouse, rat, mount, the moon, and Ganesha that is kind of funny. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'll tell it. Maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. You know how I was saying how the Mahabharata is the longest epic ever written mm-hmm. and how we don't know who wrote them, but some people think that Ganesha wrote it. There's a couple of different accounts, but my favorite one, this is not the best, this is not the only one, this is not the main one, this is just the one that I picked. The Mahabharata was dictated to Ganesha by the sage Vyasa, and it took them three years to write it, and they had to write it continuously. They couldn't stop. And during this, Ganesha's quill broke, and he could so he couldn't stop. So he broke his his tusk and used that to write the rest of the epic. Very dedicated author there. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we talked a lot about him, but we never actually talked about the story. Oh shoot! I skipped. A- I skipped one of them. No, no, this is fine. No, this works. Right, this is right where it needs to be in the mm. story. We're we're talking about uh, how Ganesh became what he is known to us today. Do you want to tell it? Because you know the story too. I I only know what Elena told me when she told me that it would be like it was literally given to me in it in the form of a text message. Go for it. Folklore comes in all shapes and sizes. Okay. So basically, oh no, it wasn't text message. We were talking about this in January when she was visiting. Yeah, we were talking about this on my floor. That's right. I remember now. (laughs) Sort of. Wow. (laughs) We had a couple joints that night too. Yeah, we smoked a lot that day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know the other deities involved. Their names. So they had a son. No, had it was like um, immaculate conception. Basically, she got pregnant while her husband was away at war Mm -hmm. with their son, but he had no idea that she had had a child while he was gone at war, and he grew up very quickly. So when he comes (laughs) home from war, (laughs) there's this strange man in his home, and he's like, "Stand aside," (laughs) and. Here, this kid's, like, defending his mom's honor. The stranger is trying to barge his way in, so he defends his home, and his father kills him. And his wife is like, what have you done, our mm-hmm. son? 
So she forces him to fix what he's broken and find a new head because he had taken the head of his son. And they decided to find the most beautiful elephant that they could find and take that elephant's head and give it to Ganesha so that he would be able to live again. I wish I remembered the rest of it. (laughs) So the story that I read and heard the most in my research goes like this. Parvati wanted, so so it's Parvati and Shiva are the couple. Parvati wished to take a private bath. So she made a boy, Ganesha, who would be Ganesha, but not Ganesha yet, out of dough that she used for her bath. And Shiva returned and wished to see his wife, which makes sense if you've been away. But he was blocked by this boy, and so Shiva the Destroyer cut off this boy's head and continued on to see his wife. When she found him, she explained who he was and that another head must be found. So they sent servants, or in some cases, in some stories, Shiva himself, to find the first dead thing and use that head as as a replacement. And that happened to be an elephant. And Shiva put the elephant head on the boy's body and revived him, and Ganesha was then born. He was given the place ahead of all other gods. So he's the first god that is always prayed to or asked for blessings. He's the first one. The top dog. Yep. Cool. Do you want to hear my moon story? Yes. So, Ganesha's birthday is a big deal. It's called Gan- Ganesh Chaturthi. I think I'm saying that correctly. If, yeah. Ganesh, Ganesh Chaturthi. Nope, I wasn't saying it correctly then. We're just going to move on along to the story now. Well, every year on, the, on his birthday, he would go around the country and he would collect something called a ladu. So he was just collecting this. It was a sweet delicacy. So he was collecting this. sweet thing from everybody around the country and he was just storing it in his stomach and he was riding his mouse around but he was getting a little heavy and so his mouse tripped and Ganesha fell and his stomach opened and all of the ladus come out it came out ladus or ladus I can't remember if it's a deer or a bee dang it and they came out and the moon saw this and so he starts laughing at Ganesha and Ganesha picks up all of his sweets and then he turns around and he curses the moon so that he wouldn't be seen. And I read somewhere that he was begged by other gods to let the moon come back because it's causing issues. <laughs> and I'm not yawning, I'm not yawning. <laughs> I'm like, the reason there was like a little bit of dead air there. It's uh, because uh-huh. I was waiting for Sarah to yawn. <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> anyway, I guess in the end, he allowed the moon to come back at least half the time. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. I might have gotten in a little bit wrong. Yeah. Basically giving reasons for the cycles that you see. Anthropomorphizing the moon. It's understandable. It's the beginnings of understanding... Of being aware of your surroundings and how they change. Mm-hmm. All right. On to the taxonomy. Taxonomy. Tax on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Is 
Would you consider him benign, liminal, or malignant? I would say benign. I agree. I agree with that. I think that uh, he is a very strong embodiment of all of the things that we hope for that are good in this world. Mm. Being challenged, being good, getting good things, mm-hmm. the that whole, you know, good karma <laughs> where that comes yeah. from. <laughs> Uh, do you think he's corporeal, in between, or incorporeal? I think in between. Why? Well, because we don't ever actually see proof of his existence outside of uh, myth lore. Yeah. So he's incorporeal. But if you take into account the way a lot of these stories go, he existed. He's very he had a body. Corporeal. So I think. Mm-hmm. There must be something about it to be said that they would have the ability to be both. Hmm. Okay. It's not in the same way you would think of, like, a vampire being able to pass through walls or (laughs) whatever. Turn into mist. Yeah. No, no. This is just a different way of thinking about a similar... I see it. Yeah. In folklore, we would call his stories as taking place during myth time. Mm-hmm. So this is an indeterminate amount of time in the past where the world was different mm-hmm. and the rules were slightly different and the stories are usually of how the world came to be. Imagine how many generations before that kind of literature became the commonly accepted approach. Uh, oral. Yeah. Oral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moral or immoral? You mean mortal or immortal? Oh, I missed the T in there. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Mortal or immortal? Definitely immortal. Yeah. He's definitely oh, immortal. Shall. I mean, the guy is, first of all, a revenant. <laughs> Second of all, a god. The god. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, immortal for sure. Herbivore, omnivore, or carnivore? I think an herbivore. I think an omnivore. He's an elephant. But he's only an elephant head. Yeah, it's where your teeth are. (laughs) (laughs) Determines how you're able to chew up and swallow food. I don't know. I think his his diet would be very similar to that of an elephant's. What kind of foods are put on his altar? I never mm-hmm. looked that up. I'm really curious. Give me a sec, guys. I'm going to Google that super quick. I'm going to share. It's okay. Um, we got, we're doing good. Got to get close to wrapping it up, but we're good. Sure. What food does Ganesha like? Modoks are Lord Ganesha's favorite foods, so much so that he is also known as Modapriya. There are several stories that mention his love for the sweet dumplings made with rice flour, coconut, jaggery, and steamed perfection. <laughs> Devotees prepare several types of modok and offer them as a praise. That's huh. adorable. He's got a sweet tooth. <laughs> Aww. I'm going to open that up. It's from Times of India. Cool. So I think that's a reliable source. Okay. There's Mudator Ladus. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was close. Puffed rice ladus, kheer, bananas. Makes sense. Those are the top five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Born or cursed? Uh, born. born. Yeah. <laughs> mm, theme? Theme, huh? Theme. Okay. 
I have another little teeny tiny story. Go for it. So I down I went down the YouTube rabbit hole because believe it or not, there aren't a whole lot of podcasts actually about Hindu mythology, which I'm kind of like, come on, guys, step it up. It's really cool, interesting stuff. Anywho's I discovered uh, Swa- Om Swami. So check out Om Swami. I found one that talked about the esoteric of Ganesha, the esoteric meaning of Ganesha's birth in it. I didn't quite understand half of what he was talking about. It would make sense if you had been growing up and going to these sermons. It would make sense. These are phrases and words that you would hear all the time, but since I didn't, I am not as familiar. But it talked about how he mentioned, he's like, why didn't Shiva just use his head, like hit the head that he cut off? Why didn't he just replace it with that one? If he could replace it with any head, why not just use the original one? I think the thing that I've noticed most consistent is that Parvati was the one who told him what he had to do in order to mm-hmm. make it right. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost as though he was doing just what he was told to fix something that he right. broke and yeah. not actually stopping to question whether it was the right choice. And another interesting point that he made was that, uh, oh, shit. Oh, no. My train just jumped its tracks. No! Oh, goodbye, train. <laughs> Choo-choo! <laughs> Oh, damn it. Well, mm. just look up omswami.com on YouTube, and he's got a talk, an esoteric talk about Ganesha. Cool. On there. Right on. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we didn't get to theme. Shoot. Oh, right. We're still avoiding that one. That one's difficult. It's tricky. I was trying to give context to help make the theme, but then I got lost in my own story. It's okay. It happens to the best of us. I think this is a difficult one for me to be able to think I could classify a theme for this because it's such a foreign culture to me Mm -hmm. that it's difficult to do anything other than just understand what's happening in the story. (laughs) Beyond anything else, I'm just like, high implications Hmm. at this point. I think rebirth is a theme and... I'm kind of catching on to the train that I lost. Something about how Shiva just cut his head off. He could have... He's the fucking destroyer. He could have destroyed this boy that was standing in front of him. Mm -hmm. But instead, he just cut his head off. Why didn't he destroy him? Well, because he knows that that's still something of use. That is still something that can be, I guess, salvaged or saved. He explains it in, in a much better way. But it's, so it's also a theme of, I think you hit it most on the head when you talk about how he's fixing something he broke. Mm-hmm. How I kind of think of this, this doughboy <laughs> that Parvati makes is kind of maybe like an android sort of mm-hmm. robot sort of thing. And then when Shiva finds the elephant head, it becomes a real boy. It's very Pinocchio-esque. I know. I was kind of getting that vibe, too. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Pinocchio is like a little little tangent theme. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking me up on this last-minute switch in topic. 
I really enjoy finding unique aspects and I felt like as much as I enjoy the zombie vampire <laughs> monster train that we've been on, it's it's gets a little old. And this was kind of this was nice to have a refreshing. Not all re- revenants are creepy, gross things that you have mm-hmm. to learn how to fight off. Sometimes they're okay. benevolent beings that you connect with in life. Yes. Who knows? Cool. Thanks for listening. Good night to Tokelore. If you have taxonomy suggestions for this episode, send us a message on Instagram at toklore.podcast. If we got something wrong or you have a story or resource that you'd like to share, shoot us an email at toklorepod at gmail.com. If you want to help support us, please follow, like, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor FM, and more! Thanks Thanks for for listening. We've all heard a scary story. Some of us have experienced a scary story. The unexplainable bump in the night. Things moving on their own. Some of us have even seen a spirit. A woman in white peering out of a window. A soldier standing guard. A shadow darting from one corner to the next. Maybe a strange orb of light moving about the room. Whether you believe they exist or not, nobody can say what happens after death. Except the dead.